Today's reading from the Word of God comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Please follow along in your own Bibles on the screen behind me or listen as I read the scriptures. Once again, that's Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Following the reading, I invite you to respond in worship with the singing of the doxology. At that time, children are invited to join kids' crew through the door on your right. Hear the word of the Lord. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Molly, and I'm a partner here at Anchor Bay Church. I was drawn to this community back in 2018 when I began the process of ordination to my role as a campus minister with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Anchor Bay empowers women to lead in all areas of the church and was exactly the type of community I was looking for. It was a sacred moment to be ordained in this sanctuary with Pastor Bryn laying hands over me. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to share with you all in this place that is so meaningful to me. So as is our custom at Anchor Bay, I'm going to take a moment of silence where we can quiet our hearts and minds and prepare to hear from the Lord this morning. And then I'll open us in prayer.
Lord God, you are so good. We are so grateful to be here today. I pray that your spirit would be moving um, in this time together, that you would open up all of our hearts to hear what it is that you want to speak to each one of us individually, Lord. And I pray that um, the words that I speak would be your words, Lord, and that uh, we would truly um, just receive what you have for us and be transformed um, in the process. We love you, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. So my senior year of college, I met Bryn. Now, this Bryn is my husband, so it's important to note that we can't confuse him with our fearless leader, Pastor Bryn, over here. Husband Bryn's name is spelled with one N, and Bryn is with two. So over the past 10 years, they've had this friendly feud over what the correct spelling of their name should be. So you can, you can cast your vote with Bryn or Bryn after the service to say which one you think is best. And in case you're wondering, the one with the shorter hair is my husband. So just in case you're wondering. Um, so Valentine's Day is on Tuesday, and I figured you'd be okay with me getting just a tiny bit sentimental here about husband husband, Bryn. So during our dating years and early marriage, Bryn made me mix CDs. Does anyone still have a CD player in their car? Yes, I love that. Unfortunately, the cars that had CD players of ours, they, they breed their last, so we don't have CD players in our cars anymore. Um, but in those older cars, I would listen to the mix CDs while I was driving, and they became like a soundtrack for Bryn and my relationship. To this day, if I listen to the song King and Lionheart by the Icelandic band of monsters and men, I become a puddle of sentimentality as I remember those early years of our relationship. Every time I got one of those mixed CDs from Bryn, I felt this wave of joy rush over me because those soundtracks I listened to reminded me that I was loved, which sometimes wasn't the same message that I, I had playing in my own head about myself. So there's a book called Soundtracks that husband Bryn introduced me to by John Acuff. And the book raises the question, what thoughts are we listening to? What soundtracks are playing in our minds? Are they thoughts about ourselves that are true? Or are they thoughts that are untrue or unkind? Like, I'm a failure of a parent. I'm not as competent as my colleagues. I'm going to end up alone. I'm, I'm not thin enough. My life hasn't really mattered. Or, spun a different way, what soundtracks are we listening to in our world? Are they our minds filled by voices from the news and media or even people in our day-to-day -day lives that leave us feeling more confused and discouraged? Do these soundtracks that are on repeat instill fear, anxiety, stress, or even shame within us? Well, we're continuing in our sermon series on the Gospel of John today called Signs and Wonders, and the passage for today will help us answer that question. What soundtrack are you listening to? So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them up to John 10, 1 through 18, the passage that Apu just read for us. Now, one thing I love about John 10, 1 through 18 is that Jesus is basically talking the entire time. If you have you've ever seen one of those red-letter Bibles where the words that Jesus spoke are printed in red, you notice that the whole passage is red, minus a couple narrator lines in verse 6. And the word that Jesus repeats the most in this passage is sheep, which he says 15 times. When I've heard this passage pre preached before, one point made is that is the lack of intelligence in sheep, and by analogy, our own human waywardness or stupidity. And <laughs> there's no doubt that Jesus is comparing his followers to sheep in this text, but Jesus doesn't talk about how dumb they are in this text. He actually talks very positively and lovingly about them. 
And one positive quality that really resonated with me throughout this entire text is that the sheep know the voice of their shepherd, which we first see in verse 4, which says, When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now, I've never owned a sheep before, and I don't know, maybe some of you guys have owned sheep, but I haven't. But I did have a golden retriever growing up. Yeah, do any of you guys like dogs in this room? Yeah. So Max was my golden retriever. He was the sweetest dog I've ever known. We got him when I was two years old, and my mom actually potty trained us together, which now that I'm a parent, I'm like, you go, mom. (laughs) By the way, hi, mom. I know you're probably watching this. Love you. Um, And so Max lived until a few months shy of my 19th birthday, and this photo was taken of my brother and me with him soon before he passed away. And you can, you can see maybe why we nicknamed him the bionic dog, because Max lived to be almost 17 years old in human years. And so Max, in his younger years, one of his favorite pastimes was dashing off into the woods behind our house when we least expected it. And it was a bit annoying at times, but when we called his name, Max knew our voices and would come running back to us, covered in mud, mind you. Like Max knew the voice of his owner, the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. Or, borrowing from the metaphor earlier, they know which soundtrack to listen to. So in the Gospels, we see that Jesus has a way of relating to his um, listeners by everyday experiences. He talks about farmers a lot and yeast and mustard seeds. He speaks of hunger and thirst, bread, light, vine, branches. And today he speaks of sheep and shepherding. And since in the ancient Near East, shepherding was a very common practice, the audience would have been very familiar with the language that he's using. And they would not only be familiar from the professional use of of, um, shepherd, but also the word shepherd is a metaphor that was common for kings and kingships in the ancient Near East. In Ezekiel 34, which Jesus' audience would have been very familiar with, we hear about some not-so-great leaders in Israel's history. In verse 2 of Ezekiel 34, 2, it says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? So good leaders are supposed to provide a sense of security and prosperity for their people, like a shepherd does for his or her sheep. But of course, we see examples everywhere in our world of leaders who look out for themselves more than those under their care. In our text today, Jesus uses that image of a thief and a robber to contrast the good care that a shepherd should provide for his sheep. Verses 7 to 8 say, So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. It's like Jesus was saying to his crowd and even to us today, there's a lot of leaders, there's a lot of voices out there that you can follow, but some of them, they don't have your best interest in mind. I want you to know that my voice is the voice that you can trust above all the other voices out there. I'll never leave you to fend for yourself when the going gets tough. Jesus makes his case as to why his voice is the one they should follow by describing who he is and what he offers. There's this neat literary feature in the Gospel of John where Jesus makes seven I am statements. Jesus uses these statements to describe what he's like. And Pastor Ethan last month in his, one of his sermons mentioned I am the bread of life. 
And today, we actually heard two of these I am statements in the reading that Apu read for us. Uh, And these statements tell us a bit more about what Jesus is like. So let's consider the first statement, I am the door, by looking at verses 7 to 8 again, which we just read. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So the audience here, when they heard these words, they would have envisioned a sheep pen when Jesus was talking. The pen was an enclosure made of rocks piled on top of each other, high enough to make it difficult for a thief to get in to steal a sheep. And the sheep would be gathered into this enclosure for a good night's sleep, and there the sheep would be protected from thieves or predators. And the sheep pen would also keep the sheep from wandering off at night. There was only one way for the sheep to get into the sheep pen for safety at night, which was through the door. And I don't know about you, but the idea of entering this door into safety really resonates with me. On a less serious note, so I've always been a bit of an anxious and fearful person. And as a kid, I, I lived in Arkansas. We, we had a lot of poisonous spiders, and especially brown recluses and black widows, really icky spiders. So one of my friends got bit by a brown recluse one summer and became very sick. And after that, I became terrified of spiders. And in Arkansas, I also went to Bible camp. And one time there was a speaker who brought in a tarantula to like, show all of us kids at Bible camp. And after that scarring experience, I had nightmares that tarantulas were in my bed for weeks. And if you ever hear me let out a scream about like if there's a spider in the room, just ask my husband. I freak out way too much about spiders. So you'll know why now, me telling you these stories about my childhood. Um, And since we're all human, we might be prone to listen to soundtracks that reinforce our fears. What type of world will my kids grow up in? What health and financial struggles will I or my family members face? At the end of my life, will I leave a legacy that counts for anything? So much of our political and cultural dialogue is generated by fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the other. Fear, fear, fear. We can find so much comfort in this metaphor of a door in the face of our fears. Just as the door leads the sheep into a protective pen, Jesus also protects us from the things that we're most afraid of. This doesn't mean that we'll never go through trials or that bad things won't happen to us. It means that no matter what life throws at us, we can remain secure. I just finished rereading a book called Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman that I highly recommend you reading if you haven't. I actually received this book from one of my colleagues, Gail, who's here today. Thank you, Gail. I love that book. Um, And Thurman notes in his book that no external force can destroy a people if their spirit remains strong. And so building off that idea, Jesus is as the door leading us to security can protect our inner lives from harm. No person, no physical illness, no mental struggle, not even death itself can destroy our spirit if our spirit remains strong in Jesus. And now I do want to highlight that if any of us are facing physical illnesses or mental health struggles, it's wise to seek professional help for these things. Jesus can protect us from harm through modern medicine and professional support. So while the door leads the sheep to their protection, at the same time, the door welcomes the sheep in. Jesus' door isn't exclusive. He doesn't say, these are my only sheep. No one else is welcome. In fact, verse 16 contradicts that thinking when Jesus says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. 
So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now, when I was preparing for this sermon, I learned that some people think that John 10, 16, when they look at it, that Jesus may have been referring to life on other planets, the extraterrestrial theory. Anyone an E.T. fan? I used to love that movie as a kid, and that little alien, he's, you must admit that he's the cutest. Um, and while everyone is entitled to their beliefs, I think Jesus is saying to his audience here, actually, that it's not only the people of Israel, which was traditionally thought, who would be a part of his community. He's saying that he came to welcome non-Jewish people called the Gentiles into his flock as well. In the Gospels, we see Jesus reaching out to Gentiles like a Samaritan woman, a Canaanite woman, as well as a Roman centurion, to name a few. Jesus envisioned a community that would challenge and expand the horizons of who belongs. Not only did he welcome Gentiles into his flock, but he also welcomed people who were poor, who were visually impaired, deaf, lepers, and prostitutes. And I've had the privilege of seeing this type of expansive community in the work that I get to do with students at Salem State and Endicott College. I love the fact that I can work with all types of students, students who grew up as Christian, who are curious about Christianity, who aren't Christians, they don't identify as Christians, students with and without disabilities of different ethnicities, gender, sexualities, and socioeconomic backgrounds. Through God's grace, I strive to create spaces where those who felt like misfits or those who felt excluded can feel a sense of belonging and experience Jesus' love. And I know that the congregation here at Anchor Bay has the same vision for our church. We want the doors of this church to be wide open so that all types of people can come in and experience Jesus' love. And I like to ask myself these questions when reflecting on our student groups that I lead on campus. Who's not in this community right now? Who needs to know that they belong here? Who needs to know that Jesus' door is open for them? And I invite you all to consider the same questions for our church. So let's move to the second I am statement, which will tell us more about who Jesus is. Jesus claims that he is the good shepherd. Verses 14 to 15 say, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Is Psalm 23 anyone's favorite passage in the Bible by any chance? Yes. Okay, great. Psalm, <laughs> thank you. Psalm 23 is my favorite chapter in the Bible. And God as a shepherd has always been a metaphor that's resonated with me. I memorized Psalm 23 as a kid, and it's imprinted on my heart, especially those first few verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And envisioning a God who's caring, who meets all my needs, who leads me to places where I can find healing and refreshment has given me hope during some of the darkest seasons of my life. And maybe the passage has for you as well. But the passage today that we just read, there's two other beautiful characteristics that I want to unpack that show what the good shepherd is like. And the first is that the good shepherd knows his sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. It's vulnerable to be fully seen and fully known by someone. 
I don't know if anyone can relate, but sometimes I like to keep people at a safe distance and put some walls up because if the walls are there, there's no risk that people will see all of me and who I am and all my flaws and turn the other direction when they do. And I also struggle with shame more than I like to admit. Maybe you do as well. Author Brene Brown, which I know our pastor, Pastor Bryn really loves Brene Brown, describes the shame that I feel all too often as that warm feeling that washes over us, making us feel small, flawed, and never good enough. I sometimes have tricked myself into believing that I can't get close to God because of these feelings that I have all too often. But here's the thing. God sees all of me. God sees all of you. And he loves us more than we could ever imagine. There's nothing we could do to warrant those feelings of being small, flawed, and not good enough. God sees all of us and says, you are precious. I love you. And how does he prove that undying devotion for us? Well, the second beautiful truth comes from Jesus' own words in verse 15 when he says, Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus refers to laying down his life a total of four times in this passage. It's like he repeats the phrase again and again and again in case we missed it the first time. I lay down my life. I lay down my life. You are worth something. Jesus is pleading with us, I have the truth. Would you please believe me when I say that you are loved? It doesn't matter if you failed or if you've listened to the wrong soundtracks. It doesn't matter how unworthy you feel or what the world says about you. I love all of you, even the parts you want to hide from me. I love you so much that I went to the cross and died a painful death for you. I rose from the grave and defeated death and evil once and for all. When I look at you, I see someone who's worthy, someone who's beloved. You didn't have to do anything to earn this. I'm offering you a new full life that says you don't have to be enough on your, on your own anymore. When you follow me, my grace is enough for you. So we listen to the voice of the shepherd because of who he is, but also what he offers. Verses 9 to 10 in our passage says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have life abundantly. So the good news for us is that the door for salvation is wide open. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, he offers us salvation from the power of darkness, the power of sin in our lives, We can be set free from a life filled with fear, anxiety, shame, confusion. I love this passage in Mark 5 where Jesus heals a a woman with a bleeding disorder. The woman had been bleeding for 12 years and her life was marked by suffering. She'd heard that Jesus, about Jesus, and she had faith that if she could just touch his robe, she would be healed. And in the story in Mark 5, after the woman touches his robe, Jesus says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed of your suffering. And the same Greek word for saved from John 10, 9 is the one that's used in this verse, but it's translated as healed. And so this text in Mark 5 shows that Jesus has the power and the authority to heal physical, mental, and spiritual needs. And when we turn to Jesus, we won't always receive physical healing like the woman in Mark 5 did. Sometimes healing looks like having the strength to persevere during challenging times. Sometimes it looks like having peace in the middle of our suffering. 
It means we can live a full life no matter what is going on around us. So what does it mean to have a full, abundant life? I recently came across a lovely quote by someone named Elizabeth Johnson, who's a missionary in the Cameroon. She says, life or eternal life in John's gospel is not just about life after death. It's a life that begins here and now. It's knowing the voice of the good shepherd who truly cares for us. It's life found in community, finding security and nourishment as a part of his flock. It's life that abounds in meaning and value and endures even beyond death. An abundant life comes when we know the voice of the good shepherd who truly cares for us. So God he always teaches me something about the topic I'm preaching on when I prepare for sermons. And a couple of weeks ago, I was in a Zoom course that is equipping me to be a spiritual director. We had the chance to reflect on scripture and then share what God was speaking to us in a small group with two other people. I shared with the group that one of my takeaways from the time in scripture was that I still felt a barrier to believing that Jesus loved me after all my years as a Christian. I shared that I was listening to the voices of shame instead of the voices of Jesus, the voice of Jesus. And that was inhibiting me from living this abundant, full life that we just heard about in John 10. And one of my, uh, at the same time when I was sharing that, my oldest daughter, Jocelyn, walked through the door. And one of my, the peers in my group just noticed that my face lit up when I saw Jocelyn. Even though she was supposed to be in bed, I was <laughs> delighted by the opportunity to see her. And when Jocelyn went back to bed, my peer, she just looked at me and she was just smiling. She's like, Molly, this is how God sees you. God lights up when you walk in the room and he wants you to believe that you're loved, all of you. So maybe you struggle with listening to a soundtrack of shame like I do, but maybe it's another voice that leaves you feeling fearful, anxious, stressed, or even angry. And I encourage you to bring this soundtrack to Jesus that's on repeat in your mind. And I invite you to whisper in your heart, I surrender this soundtrack to you, Jesus. I want to know your voice better and follow your soundtrack. Will you heal me? Will you save me so that I can begin living my life to the full? So surrendering to Jesus, these voices to Jesus is a first step. And I want to share a few other tools that we can take with us as we leave this space and encounter all the other soundtracks that are in our mind and in our world. And so the first is to create space. Now, I don't claim to be an expert at hearing Jesus' voice over all the other voices in my life and I'm learning alongside you. Um, and I found that in our, in our noisy world, one thing that many of us lack is silence and stillness. In noisy situations, we often listen to the loudest voices that we hear, and the loudest voice isn't always the voice of truth. So how do we make space for hearing the voice of truth, truth that is sometimes just a whisper? So one idea is to really practice awareness and to take stock of where our mind and where our heart is at any moment of the day. This could look like taking a short break from our TV shows at night to reflect on where we missed God and where we encountered God throughout the day. We could take a purposeful pause when we feel ourselves becoming anxious or fearful and invite Jesus to speak into that emotion. Another idea is to be intentional about the pockets of time that we have in our day. 
Instead of scrolling social media, we might choose to take a walk on our lunch breaks in silence, attuning our hearts to God. We can wake up a bit early to read our Bibles before we start our day. And we can also listen, learn to listen to Jesus when we're doing regular activities that we love. I'm personally a runner and a hiker, and I've noticed that when I do these things, my mind becomes still, and it's like my body movement becomes a prayer. And finally, if we can carve out the time, we might consider taking an afternoon for a retreat in a place where we feel safe and at peace. And I know when I take the time to do things like personal retreats, I just feel God speaking to me in such a powerful way. Um, and so if you have the time, I really encourage retreats. And so our Good Shepherd is always speaking and present to us by his spirit as we go about our daily lives. The question is, can we get quiet enough to hear his voice? And my second invitation for you all is to connect with people of faith. I pray that this space, Anchor Bay, is a space where we can all feel welcomed and loved no matter what our background is. And I pray that we can hear the voice of the Good Shepherd when we're in this space. Maybe it's through a worship song, a prayer, a sermon, a conversation out in soul food. I invite you to look around you right now. The people sitting in these pews are the, are the people of God, and they can be the voice of God in your life. What would it look like to open up about our faith with people in this church or outside of it? Investing in people is not easy, and it's a vulnerable thing, but doing so can help us better hear the voice of Jesus. Maybe we can share our lives with others over a coffee or a meal, when we have a play date with our kids, or when we're going out on a walk or a hike with a friend. We could join a life group. We can spend time in scripture and prayer with others. Because I can't even count the number of times I've heard God's voice through conversations with people of faith. I just named one from two weeks ago in my spiritual direction course. I've also heard God through God's people when I needed wisdom about a major life transition, when I couldn't see where God was moving in the mess of my life, when I felt like I had lost hope and God had gone silent. The final invitation is to practice discernment. As we create space to hear God's voice through solitude and community, it's important to discern the voices that we're hearing. Sometimes when I'm quiet, trying to create space to hear from God, my anxiety ramps up. These negative voices about myself are the loudest voices that I hear, not the gentle voice of the Good Shepherd. And the same can be true for time and community with others. When we go to people in our lives who share our faith for guidance or encouragement, sometimes their voices are not the voice of the Good Shepherd. If someone tells you to do something because it's God's word for you and your spirit-led intuition raises a red flag, it's important to check that word with another person. Consider asking the following questions about the soundtracks you hear in solitude or in community. Is this voice true? Is it rooted in scripture? Is it helpful? Is it loving? Does it agree with the direction God is calling me? I wanted to close by sharing a few lyrics from a song by Casting Crowns that would not stop playing in my head while I was writing this sermon. And I pray that these words would be a soundtrack of truth in your life. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. Out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this time that we've had 
in this space, Lord. I thank you that you are our good shepherd. You care for us. You care for all of our needs. You, you see all of us. You know us intimately, all of our flaws and failures. And yet you chose to, to die for us and resurrect so that we could have new life, abundant life in you, Lord. And I pray that whatever soundtracks that each one of us is listening to, Lord, that we'd be able to surrender those to you and instead choose to listen to your voice, the voice that is loving, it is kind, and it speaks life over us. I pray that your spirit would continue to guide us today um, as we leave this space. We love you, and it's in your name I pray. Amen.